0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, Craig Somerville is finishing our series, Living by the Spirit. And last weekend for Pentecost, we baptized 68 people. So I'd encourage you to pray for those people as they move ahead in their journey with Christ after such an important moment. And as a reminder, because we've had a number of questions, Clyde's last weekend at Southview is next weekend on June 10th and 11th. So there will be three normal services or three identical services. uh, And we hope you'll be able to join us. And then lastly, as we look ahead to summer, we want to invite our church family to consider a June gift over and above normal tithes and offerings to help keep ministry moving forward. And our focus this month is on two of our main funds, the general fund and our building fund. Our goal is to raise $375,000 and both of these funds are really the financial lifeblood of our church and are two of the significant ways that we're able to live out the mission that God has called us to here in Calgary. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. And you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates. And that will make sure you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form, so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant. Because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit let's seek the face of God together
1: well hello friends it's good to be together and I'm going to start with an apology That I am not Clyde. (laughs) I know many of you are counting down as we all are that uh, their farewell for Clyde and Jillian will be next weekend and some of you might have come hoping to hear him tonight and uh, he is actually, uh, he and Jillian and the family are part of a a family wedding and lots of uh, family have gathered kind of like a reunion type atmosphere and so really me teaching this weekend is a gift to allow Clyde to be with us one more week, and we will hear from him next week. So uh, just wanted to start with that, but just also say it's good to be together, whether we're here in this space or online, um, to worship the living God, because really that's why we gather, right? And we sing songs of worship, we pray prayers, we open the word, we expect to hear from him. We're going to come to the table uh, at the end of our time together and invite him to feed us. And so really it is about the one true God, the living God that we worship today, and it it is good to be together in his presence. He is here with us. We're in the midst of this uh, series. Actually, we're wrapping up the series, Living by the Spirit. It was a short one, just three weeks. And so, a couple weeks ago, uh, Clyde introduced the, the series. And I want to just kind of recap really quickly, but he left us with a question at the end of that message. And the question was Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he preached through uh, a teaching on basically the point of it being our lives should be changed by the Holy Spirit. There should be evidence that we receive the Holy Spirit because he changes us. Things happen and we walk through some, uh, some events in the book of Acts where it was noticeable when people received the Holy Spirit. And so that question at the end of the message was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? To kind of get us thinking, do our lives look any different because of the Holy Spirit's presence within us. And then last week, as was already mentioned, was Pentecost weekend. We had 68 baptisms, which was awesome. And the teaching around baptism is about three words identity, obedience, and presence. And so, uh, just for example, in Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke words of of his identity over him, right? This is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Jesus instructed us as his disciples to follow him in obedience and to be baptized, and so baptism is a, a step of obedience. And then baptism is also symbolic of the presence, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And even at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. And so this weekend, as we wrap up this series, I want us to get into uh, a little bit more on this idea of the presence that was talked about at baptism. And out of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at three words. Uh, You might want to call it the ripple effect of the Holy Spirit. There's no vowels in there, but R-P-L, ripple effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives and uh, what He desires to do in us. And we're going to look into the book of Ephesians in a moment. But first, let me just say that this series that we're in um, is, uh, like, I'm passionate about this idea of living by the Spirit. And uh, for me personally, I was baptized when I was 16 years old. And even as a teenager, I can look back and see that change happened as a result of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life, and that change occurred when I was baptized. And that's not to say that that should be everybody's experience, but in my experience, that was really when I could say I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know it at the time, but as I looked back a couple years after my baptism, I saw that my life looked very different than it did, and it was because of the Holy Spirit's influence. And so today, we really want to consider what might the Holy Spirit want to do in us? So we're going to look at Ephesians. Uh, There's two prayers that Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus, and uh, the first is found in Ephesians 1. Uh, We're going to look at verses 15 to 21, and then Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. And so if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there and follow along. And as we look at God's Word today, friends, remember, this is the Word of God. So let's look at these two prayers from Paul. And you might even want to receive them as prayers over us today. And so here's the first one. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And so that's Paul's first prayer. Uh, let's turn to his second one in chapter 3. And again, you might want to receive this as a prayer over you today as well. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family and heaven and on earth derives its name. of God. Let's just pause and invite Jesus to speak to us from his word today. And so Jesus, we thank you that as we open your word, we open with expectancy. We desire and we expect that you will speak, and so we invite you through your holy spirit to speak to us today. Would you illuminate your word for us so that we might see it and open our ears so that we might hear it and open our hearts so that we might receive it and uh, open and soften our will that we might follow you in your word to us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so in these two prayers of Paul, we have uh, a bit of, we see kind of Paul's heart for these believers in Ephesus, his desire that they truly would live by the Spirit. And so he prays for them that they would experience the Spirit's presence and, and life-transforming power at work in them. So we're going to look at these three letters that were shown earlier as we consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. And that first word that we're going to look at is revelation. I'm not talking about the book of the Bible, Revelation, but the the word revelation is is a work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And so look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And so Paul prays, you know, why would he pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, he actually says right in this verse, he prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know God better. That word reveal really means to display or to put on display. If you looked up reveal in the dictionary, that's what it would mean, to take something maybe hidden or secret and put it on display for for the public to see. And so Paul's desire is that these believers, through the the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would be that the Spirit would reveal the truth about who God is, that they would get to know him better. Many of you might be familiar with social media, right? Maybe Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, things like that. So social media is a way that we might reveal things about our lives to our friends and followers who follow us on social media, right? So Facebook, uh, also known as Fakebook, because sometimes, you know, we make up these events or we make them look as good as we can so that our life looks really great for people, right? So there's another social media app that came out called Be Real, And bear with me if you're not a social media person. But this is, you know, it is kind of interesting. So Be Real, the idea behind it is that you would capture real events from your life so that your followers, your friends, would see kind of the truth of who you are and and get to know you for what you're really like throughout the day. And so for Be Real, what happens is a notification goes off at some random time throughout the day and it only goes off once. And when the notification goes off, you're supposed to snap a picture of that event to share with your friends, to say, this is what I'm doing right now. So, I'm on Be Real with my family and, I think, two other friends. I'm an introvert, so I've got a small circle on that, on that app. But there's lots of pictures of me and my dog. You know, today, earlier, I posted a, me- a picture of me feeding my dog dinner. Uh, one of the things that Be Real did was they added a second step. So, if you take the picture within the first two minutes, which is when you're supposed to do it, they'll give you permission to share one or two more events. So I thought it might be fun to take a Be Real right now with all of you because my family would just get a kick out of this, and it would be really interesting for them. So what I want you to do is smile as good as you can or do some sort of goofy face, and I don't think I can really get everybody in there, but squeeze in as best you can, and we're going to take a picture and then the awkward selfie, which I'll get the Bible in there so Clyde knows we're actually talking about something of significance. And now I've just posted onto Be Real, okay? So, why am I talking about this? Be Real reveals things about my life to my seven friends who follow me on that app. And I'm not saying, please invite me to be a friend because I am an introvert and you're going to cause me a lot of tension and and drama as I try to discern, should I accept this request, should I not? So, don't worry about that. Um, But Be Real, you know, gives them a window into my life. The thing about the Holy Spirit and the desire that Paul has for these believers in Ephesus is that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't limit our revelation of God to a certain snapshot through the day or to a certain limitation of friends or followers. If you are a child of God, if you've received Jesus, you are one of his children, you have access to the living God 24-7. And Paul's prayer is that the Holy Spirit would reveal everything about God so that we would know him better day in, day out, moment by moment. It's not just a Be Real social media app. And so Paul's desire for these believers is they truly would experience this revelation to get to know God better. The next uh, word we are going to look at here, and this is not an exhaustive list. These are just three that really kind of jumped out to me through the book of Ephesians. But the next one is power. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to to bring power. And uh, so Paul prays kind of two ways. First, he prays that these believers would know God's power, and then second, to experience God's power. So let's look at his prayer for them to know God's power. Look at verse 18 to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, And Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal God's power to these believers, that we would truly know how powerful God is. He talks about resurrection power and ascension power, and the fact that uh, Jesus has all power over every uh, power and dominion, and and name and authority, and, and everything under his feet. That's power. And as Paul's praying for the Ephesians, I'm thinking about the, the world in which these believers lived in Ephesus when Paul wrote these words. Actually, when the gospel came to Ephesus. Because there was a, a bit of a power dynamic or a power struggle at, at play when Paul came to Ephesus with the good news of Jesus. There's a, I've got a picture of a, a temple and a statue of a goddess. This is the goddess Artemis. And in Ephesus, that temple was one of the great wonders of the ancient Near East. It was the temple of Artemis' worship. And Artemis was a goddess of fertility that they, they worshipped seriously. They viewed Artemis as the most powerful of the gods. And so they created this massive temple and, and all of these worship practices. And behind that, there was a whole economy that was driven by Artemis' worship. So when Paul came to Ephesus, if you want to read more about this in Acts chapter 19, it gives a lot of the details. Paul came to Ephesus and he taught the good news of Jesus. He preached the good news of Jesus. And he stayed there for a couple of years. And it says that as people began responding to the truth of Jesus and putting their faith in him, becoming children of God, their lives changed drastically, so much so to the point that they actually burned scrolls that were related to the worship of Artemis, and they burned idols and and all of these things that they gave up and sort of repented from and turned away in order to follow the living God. And so it says in Acts 19 that some of the local craftsmen that built these little idols of Artemis, these little sort of figurines that were part of the worship, uh, they were concerned because their jobs were, were at risk because people were no longer buying these little idols. They were putting their faith in Jesus, and they were turning away from the worship of Artemis. And it created a whole uproar and a a huge, uh, um, uh, just a a huge mob, basically mob mentality that, uh, that took place in riots in the city. And I say all that to say that in Ephesus, when you talk about power, if you were just an average person on the street, you would have thought about Artemis. And you would have thought about the temple. And worship at the temple and the most powerful being in Ephesus was Artemis but then this Jesus came along and people started giving their lives to him and and what Paul's praying for these believers is that they truly would understand and grasp and that God's power would be revealed to them so that they would know that the the almighty one is not Artemis but the living God and so Paul prays that they would know God's power and as I think of this I think of a question we might ask ourselves. Who or what is your Artemis? Or in our culture, our society, who or what would be the Artemis of our day that is sort of at odds with the living God and the the one true God, the Almighty One? We just had an election this past week in our province. You know, maybe some of us would view politicians or politics or government as a form of Artemis, right? Power and control, And authority, or maybe economics, maybe, you know, money. Uh, Another way to look at it might be that um, who do you look to for power when you feel powerless or when life seems out of control? Who do you turn to? Who do you recognize as the one that might be able to make a difference? Is it the living God, the one that Paul is praying the Holy Spirit would reveal to these believers, that they would know his power? So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to help us understand and grasp and get a hold of God's power, but also to experience God's power in our lives. Look at the the other prayer that Paul prayed in chapter 3. Look at verses 16 and into 17. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Just a couple key words that kind of pop out there. That he might strengthen you with power in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. When you think about um, this this word to dwell or a dwelling, Paul's praying that they would be strengthened by the Spirit. He talks about Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith. And that word dwell means literally to, to take up residence, to make yourself at home, to settle in and, and and be a long-term resident to dwell there versus uh, I'm just passing through town and I need a hotel room to stay at. I need a dwelling for the night. So Paul's not saying that Jesus wants to just pass through our lives and stay sort of one night and then be gone, but Jesus wants to make himself at home. He wants to dwell with us, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit actually m- making room in our lives for him to 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 take up that dwelling place to make himself at home there and paul knew the reality of this desire or this, this need to be strengthened by the spirit back in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 he says this therefore we do not lose heart and he's talking about himself and the uh, his fellow co-workers in ministry Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And as I read that, I think I actually need to go back and just read a few more verses. Just listen, because these aren't on the screen. This is Paul talking about this situation. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. is at work in you. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And Paul's talking about the ministry he was a part of with his fellow workers in ministry was a tough ministry. There was persecution, suffering, physical attack, all kinds of things that they endured and they needed inner strength through the power of the Spirit. That verse that I just read kind of reminds me, I've got an image on the screen here, it reminds me of last weekend. Uh, so there's me getting ready to baptize some people, and uh, I decided I needed to stretch Because this body's not getting any younger. And last year when we had Pentecost weekend, I was physically sore for a couple of weeks after baptizing so many people. So last week I was stretching beforehand, and the the individuals I was about to baptize were a little bit nervous. You know, can you actually do this? Like, are you physically okay to get in the tank and baptize me? Um, And I assured them, yes, just let me do a few stretches because I don't want to hurt when I go home. Outwardly, I'm wasting away, right? But inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. I need that strength of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about. And Paul here in Ephesians, later in the book, he would go on to talk about this idea that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. And when you think about the need for inner strength, you know, maybe, like, I would prefer to have a little more outward strength. Like, I don't want to be stretching before I do baptisms every time I do them. But really, the need is for inner strength because we are in a spiritual battle. And Paul goes on later in in chapter 6 to talk about the, the armor of God that we need to put on because we're at war. As followers of Jesus and living life on mission with Jesus, we're actually at war. And our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities of this world. And so we need the strength of the Holy Spirit Within us, we need Christ to dwell in our hearts, to take up residence there and make himself at home there so that we have the inner resources we need to live lives on mission with him. How many of you here today could use just a touch or a dose of inner strength? Maybe you find yourself in a position of caring for a loved one Or uh, maybe caring is part of your profession and you give and give and give of yourself. And sometimes you get discouraged and you need a little bit of inner strength that the Holy Spirit can minister to you. Or maybe some of us find ourselves grieving. Maybe we've been grieving for a short time, maybe for a long time, and we need a bit of inner strength from the Holy Spirit to help us get through. Maybe some of you are praying for loved ones who are lost, prodigals who need to come home, and you're getting tired, and you're wondering, God, are you really there? You need a touch. You need that inner strength from the Holy Spirit to help you endure and hang in there in the battle. Maybe you're simply living life intentionally on mission with Jesus, and day in and day out, you get up, and you ask Jesus, who do you have in store for me today? Who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to love and serve in Jesus' name? And that can be tiring, And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live those lives of caring and and, uh, struggling and living on mission. We are in a spiritual battle. And we need the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us and to strengthen us in our inner being. And we don't even have time to talk about the outer demonstrations of power that the Holy Spirit can do in and through us. Paul talks about spiritual gifts here in Ephesians, and and we just don't have time to go there today. But Paul prays that these these believers would know God's power and experience God's power. So the last word that we're going to look at, at the, the ripple effect of the Holy Spirit, revelation, power, and love. Love is the final one here. Look at Ephesians 3, uh, second half of 17 and, and on. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so here, Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would empower these believers to love one another, but also to receive God's love for them, to grasp it, for the Holy Spirit to reveal God's love to them, right? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And Paul really wants love to be at the foundation, that they would be rooted and established in love. And it reminded me of a few other verses I just want to kind of read through real quick as we think about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit giving us God's love. Look at uh, 1 John 3, verse 1. says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And again, I'm reminded of Jesus at his baptism when he was getting baptized. The Father spoke from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And as we think of those words, those are words that God the Father wants to speak over us as his children. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you are his beloved daughter. You are his beloved son. And with you, he is well pleased. Have you ever thought about that kind of love that the Father wants to lavish on you? First John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 15, the greatest love that anybody can give is to lay down one's life for a friend. Jesus showed the extent of the Father's love for us. He laid down his life for us. How much more evidence do we need to know that God loves us deeply? He sent his one and only son to give up his life so that we could have life. And then Romans 5 verse 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. And again, it's this idea that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to help us grasp the, the the height and width and breadth and depth of God's love for us, but the Holy Spirit actually pours his love out into our hearts. Do you know that you are loved? Do you know that the Father loves you deeply? Do you know the width and length and height and depth of his love that he has for you? Or maybe you're here tonight feeling somewhat unloved, and maybe the story of your life has been unloved, I don't belong, I'm not accepted, whatever the the labels have been over you. The truth of God's word, the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to penetrate into your heart is that God the Father loves you deeply, and that love should be transformational, life-changing. That should be at the root and the foundation of our lives and our identity in him as his children. We are deeply loved. Again, I don't have time to get into it, but there was a moment in my life where I felt the Holy Spirit pouring out the love of the Father into my life, and it was a life-changing event. And since that time, I have never doubted the Father's love for me, and I would hope that you could say the same. So as we wrap this up, just a quick review, the ripple effects of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit longs to reveal the truth of God to us, right? To help us grasp the fullness of who God is. The Holy Spirit desires to uh, minister his power in and through us, that we would know God's power, but also to experience God's power. And the Holy Spirit wants to pour out the Father's love into our lives. There's another word through Ephesians that shows up a few times, and it's the word fullness, or be filled. And I want to just close with this idea of being filled, or this fullness. So in Ephesians 3, in Paul's prayer, he actually ends that prayer in verse 19 by saying that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And if you just kind of wrap your head around that, what would that look like, to be filled to the measure of all the fullness So Paul prays for that for the believers. And then in chapter 5, verse 18, he says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so I just want to close with two questions. The first one is, are you full? Do you feel full in the Spirit? Have you been filled by the Spirit? And a follow-up question would be, if you haven't, then, you know, that would be, what do you want to do with that? But if, if you have had a sense of being full, would you like more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you ever had a meal? Whenever we cook a steak dinner at our house, I always cook a little bit extra because I know I'm going to want more and somebody else might want more. Even if I'm full, it's like, I just want more of that steak. And it's the same kind of thing with the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can be filled with him, but there's still room for more. Do you want more? And if you do, I just want to encourage you, all we have to do is ask. So I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes and consider those questions. Are you full? Would you like more of the Holy Spirit in your life? And let me just read a few words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in Luke 11. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And so, Father, we just pray in this moment. If there are some among us here today who would like more of you, we're asking. And the promise here from Scripture, Father, is that you will give. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Fill us with the revelation of who you are, the living God. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. Fill us with things we haven't even talked about here tonight. May we find ourselves feeding and feasting on you and being filled up by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we are going to come to the communion table, which is kind of an appropriate exercise of being filled as well, right? So if you have the elements with you, I encourage you to, to take them. And as we come to the table, we're reminded that this bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken for you and me. And we're reminded that this cup represents his blood, which was poured out for you and me for forgiveness of sin and to receive a welcome into the family of God. And so even as we're preparing to take, this might be another application, an exercise in saying, I want more. I want to be filled up on you, Jesus. I want to be filled up on you, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as we come to your table, we do invite you to feed us, Give us spiritual food for the spiritual world, the spiritual realities that we live in, the battle that we often find ourselves in. We need to be feasting on you, and so we pray that you would satisfy our hunger and our thirst by feeding us at this table. Jesus, we want more of you. Holy Spirit, we want to be filled up by you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And so I'd invite you to just hold that wafer. I think probably most of us have it ready. And so as we prepare to take, friends, remember this represents Jesus' body broken for you. Take and receive from him. And then we take the cup. If you haven't done so yet, just peel back that next layer to open the cup. And friends, remember, this cup represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I for forgiveness of sin, a welcome into the family of God. Let's take together. I'm going to invite you to stand and just a couple quick announcements, and then I want to speak a word of benediction over you today. So a couple quick announcements. We've had serve tables out in the Cardo. This is the last weekend the serve tables will be there. We encourage you to sign up for either the summer camp or Stampy Breakfast or the block party coming up. Um, you can also sign up after this weekend, but that's the last time we'll have the, the table out there. There will also be a table... For Clyde and Jillian for their farewell, if you want to drop off notes, that table, I believe, is there today and will be there again next week. We would love to have you back for his final weekend with us. And, of course, take time to visit as we conclude our time in here. Your time is not done. If you want to connect with one another and if you're a newcomer and want to go to the Newcomer Center, we would encourage that. But as I close, let me give this word of benediction. And if it's uh, helpful for you to open your hands as a posture of receptivity, I would invite you to do that. And so let me just close with these words. May God the Father pour out his spirit on you today and in the days to come. May you grow in your knowledge of God as he reveals himself to you. May you be strengthened in his power and transformed by his love. May you be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You are dismissed.